Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, agency owners, podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and this week we are welcoming Carl Sakis to the program. Carl helps agency owners increase profits and reduce their stress by conquering growing pains. As a consultant and coach at Sakis & Company, Carl has personally advised hundreds of agencies on every inhabited content. He is the author of Made to Lead, the in-demand marketing agency, and more than 300 articles on agency management. And when he's not helping clients, Carl is an award-winning past president of AMA Triangle and volunteers as a bartender on a 1930s railroad car. Carl, welcome to the program. Brent, great to be here. Real quick, the uh, bartending on the railroad car, give us a little bit of context on that, then we'll go deeper into your story. Yeah, yeah. It's like something out of an old movie, you know, beds flip down from the ceiling, there's a lounge, there's a rear platform, uh, you know, meals made to order and all that. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's quite an experience. And we actually, we've been to Denver, uh, did a trip there, uh, you know, a few years back. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an unusual experience. And uh, our goal is to create a, a great, great client experience. And, and what, what brought you to that? I mean, why, why is that you know, obviously it's something you volunteer with, you're passionate about, which is yeah. really cool to yeah. hear. I, well, I've always liked trains, you know, and uh, a friend in New Jersey, uh, both volunteered at a train museum. He said, oh, you should check this out. He'd been doing it for a bit, he and his girlfriend. Uh, you know, he's like, it's trains, it's travel, you meet some interesting people. They didn't explain quite how much work it was, you know, like you get up at 5 a.m. and go to bed at midnight, but, uh, uh, you know, it's a nice experience and, uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. Very nice. So Carl, give us kind of pay us a little picture about uh, what your business is today. Yeah. Uh, well, I work specifically with agencies, only agencies, primarily owners, typically digital agencies, helping them conquer growing pains. So those could be things, you know, some of the stories I'll hear are things like 
you know, revenues are up, but profit margins are down. Or, uh, you know, I'm losing key employees and I'm not sure what's wrong. Or clients are just walking all over us, not sure what to do. Or we're good at closing sales, but we're not good at actually integrating people as clients into the agency. So I help people solve those problems. And you mentioned that part of your story is that you actually, uh, you had an agency or have an agency that was part of your, your backstory? I've had several businesses. My, my most relevant backstory started as a web designer in the mid-90s, back in the days of dial-up. Uh, and then more recently served as a project manager, director of client services, and director of operations at one agency and then, and then another. Uh, so effectively as the, the number two person for the, uh, for the owners, one had three partners, the other had two. Very nice. Uh, just kind of run through your prior agency experience prior, sure. prior to starting Sekus and Company. I got into digital marketing back in high school. I learned HTML, started building websites, uh, and more recently uh, worked as a project manager, a director of operations, director of client services at two different digital agencies, one and then the other, uh, effectively being the professional number two. One agency had three partners, the other had had two, and uh, you know ultimately put that experience together to start what's now Sekus and Company. Very cool. So I imagine since a lot of your background uh, in the agency space is in project management, director of ops, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of agencies you know are are founded by entrepreneur or entrepreneurial kind of leaning people, and obviously you've started yes. multiple companies yourself, but um, having that kind of operations experience. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are very like sales and marketing focused and maybe not so much uh, on the, uh, how are we going to actually organize and build a great client experience? So is that something that you've kind of perfected with your work in those positions and also in your consulting practice? Definitely. You know, in, in my consulting work, there's strategy, leadership, and operations, but there's an operations theme to everything because you could have the best idea in the world, but if you can't operationalize it, you know, it's like not even having the idea in the first place. Maybe even worse, because then you're feeling guilty about not being able to make it happen. I think a lot of our listeners just all of a sudden felt guilty about an idea, <laughs> Carl. So, uh, so how do they how do they overcome that, right? So they they how do you, when you said operationalize something? I mean, what are some of the high level things that that you would do in that role or help people do uh, to operationalize an idea? Well, as Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind. So part of my intake process is understanding, well, where do people want to go? For instance, some people lean toward running a lifestyle agency, get an above average salary and other compensation, relatively low stress, work with people they like, things like that. Other people tend to lean more toward the equity side. The goal is to do an exit. Uh, so knowing where they are in that continuum, you know, it's not an either or, it's gradation, uh, is helpful. You know, getting a better sense of what people like and don't like do you know doing during the day. You know, some clients love doing sales, and they're like, "Let me get all the details out of the way." For other people, sales is terrifying, and it's you know, well, how do I get someone else doing it? And you know, there are different solutions there. One of the things about my approach is customizing it to each client's what I call VGRs, values, goals, and resources. You know, so there there's some people out there who have sort of a dogmatic: this is the one way to do everything. And there are some things where there's, you know, one ideal solution, but I don't know, life's complicated. Every agency is different. There are a lot of similarities, uh, but what works for the agency down the street from you is not necessarily going to work for you or it's not necessarily going to work for your goals. So a big part of the process is figuring out where do people want to go? What do they want to do? What do they not want to do? 
Uh, I use a tool and, and actually have a free template for this online, call it an advanced retrospective, where you write about the future as if it's already happened. And once you define that, we're able to work backwards and figure out how to get you there. So kind of like a, a visioning exercise, if you will, of exactly kind of writing yes. that out kind of the future. And then, and then how far out do you guys, you said you, you did that a couple of years out, or is that something that you do like three to 10 years out? My baseline is five years out. Uh, sometimes people have a particular milestone. Maybe it's, you know, they are turning 40 or 45 or 50 or 55. You know, we, we can do that as a then. Um, and in some cases, if people are, are, you know, looking ahead to the future, you know, depending on the distant future, it might be as of when they retire. You know, so depending on when that is, that could be 20, 30 years out. The, the key thing is that the more I know about where people want to go and what their ideal is like, the more we can work toward it. Now, sometimes people have kind of crazy goals, uh, you know, and, and what, one of the biggest things as I'm initially speaking with someone, uh, oftentimes people will have revenue growth goals, you know, to go from this to that. And sometimes over a certain time period, and part of my part of my work on operationalizing things is, you know, saying you want to go from here to there, you know, doing some simple calculations, or at least simple for me, you know, it's like, okay, to hit it on that timeline, you're going to have to grow 80% a year for five years. On the other hand, if you lower things a bit, you only have to grow, you know, 35% a year for five years. Or if you're willing to push that timeline out, you know, if you're willing to do this many, you know, it's going to be lower percentage. Some people still choose to pursue the really big goals, but at least then it's in the context of realizing, okay, there's, they've got to do a lot of risk management to help get there. I was going to ask, like, how, how do you have that conversation around uh, the realistic goals? Because I mm -hmm. think that that happens a lot. I mean, obviously, a big part of you gurus is is coaching and consulting in this exact same space. And I see this all the time. People come in with yep. really big kind of pie in the sky things and you look at historicals and you're like, well, here's, you know, here's kind of how you've been operating uh, and yep. what you've been getting out of it. And unless we change some, some pretty dramatic things, but, but how do you, you know, what is, what is realistic for a typical agency in terms of year over year growth? Yeah. So, you know, it's going to vary by firm. Obviously the smaller you are initially, the, bigger the percentage you can go from there, but then the growth rate will slow down. You know, my, my cutoff for high growth or not is 30% or more per year. So if you're growing less than 30%, I mean, it can feel painful at times, uh, but it, that's not as much high growth. On the other hand, 30% or more, or certainly 50%, or, you know, I, I have some clients who are targeting 100% or more growth in a year. They'll be doubling in a year recently started working with a new client who has a huge growth goal, which if he had mentioned that goal before we started working together, I'm not sure I would have said yes to, to working together. But it turns out he actually has this step-by-step -step plan that he's built out. So you know, my job as his coach is to help him maximize uh, or optimize his success in getting there. Um, you know, in other cases, I'm helping people build the, the strategy from scratch. You know, so it, it depends on where people are coming from. Uh, if it's more than 30% a year growth, though, especially doing that every year, you're probably going to feel some growing pains. I want to bring uh, our attention to your story a bit. I know when we were yeah. chatting kind of pre-interview that um, you had kind of a, a interesting life event, not a positive yes. one, that has kind of 
informed how you've thought about your own business and kind of what's important yeah. and what's not important. Can you just take us to that moment in time for you, kind of where were you and what happened? And then we can kind of talk about kind of what what, what happened then and how you how you figured that process out. But if you'd love, I'd love for you to just paint us a picture of that that very specific moment. Yeah. Well, you know, the urban legend about, you know, waking up in a bathtub filled with ice and you're missing a kidney. Is, is that where we're going, Carl? <laughs> well, it, it, sort of imagining that. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Uh, in my case, I, I, I woke up, I was in the hospital, I was in a hospital bed uh, and I woke up and I was missing an organ, but I was really happy uh, because they had finally removed my appendix. And I was also happy to find they had not done open surgery. Like you have to sign off, you know, that they might need to cut into everything. I was like, oh yes, that was that was exciting. Uh, but this actually was six weeks in the making. Uh, I'd been feeling the, this abdominal pain. Uh, ultimately, for several days, I went to the doctor and was like, "What's going on?" And he said, um, "You know, it could be appendicitis, but probably not, given these symptoms." Uh, which turned out to be a misdiagnosis. Uh, so after a week of pain, the norm is that like you're you have appendicitis, you're at the emergency room within a day. No, I went a week before finally getting getting the full treatment, uh, and they were like, "Yes, you have appendicitis. It's inflamed and it's ruptured. So ruptured appendix." Now before this, I thought everything was going pretty smoothly with my business. Uh, you know, at 35, I built a largely remote-based business, working with the clients all over the world, but largely from the the convenience of my home office or co-working space, or you know, uh, while traveling otherwise. You know, and and uh, that remote piece was really good. Uh, clients I liked, but what I realized as I was sitting in the hospital bed, uh, or well, I guess lying in the hospital bed, I was slightly reclined was that, uh, wow, it was remote, but I still had to be, the way I thought of it, I had to be there. I had to be sometimes in person if I was speaking or meeting with a client in person, but at minimum, I had to be there on the phone in real time with a client for much of the work I was doing. Not all the analysis, but for sure, coaching calls, for sure, uh, consulting milestone calls. And, and I thought, wow, I, I could talk with my clients, you know, who are all agency owners, about the idea of making themselves needed but not necessary. That is, their team needs them, you know, they're not going to operate, you know, without the owner for a year or something like that, but at least the owner can, you know, get away for vacation. Uh, Yet here I was, you know, with a consulting business, somewhat different model from running an agency with a large team, and I realized, wow, uh, I, I was, you know, the whole idea of needed but not necessary. No, I was necessary. I had freelancers to help, but I was the only one who could do the billable work. And almost all the revenue other than book royalties was coming in uh, through my consulting and coaching work. And I realized I had to make a change. And the change was? (laughs) Well, uh, that was in October of 2017. I actually got appendicitis twice. Uh, It ruptured. And then I scheduled surgery. They're like, well, the new protocol is we don't take it out immediately. Like I hadn't heard that before, but okay, I'm you know I'm not a surgeon, uh, so I scheduled surgery for a couple months later, and the appendicitis came back first. So I actually ended up going in instead of the scheduled surgery, I went in for emergency surgery. You know, I went to the started feeling the pain, went to the ER. Uh, the surgeon comes out and she's like, "It's recurrent, so we have to operate immediately." And I said, "Can I think about it?" 
she said, what's there to think about? And I said, well, you know, let me send an email to my parents. Let me let my assistant know that she needs to, you know, cancel stuff <laughs> and so on. She said, all right, I'll start the paperwork. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> so you had 20 minutes to think about it, right? So you I, got, yes, got yes, mostly to send some emails and, you know, trigger the, uh, the, the process. So the, the changes, you know, so a, a few things, and, and these are still in progress, right? The, these, you know, it's not an overnight thing, but I'm glad it happened at 35 rather than at 45, 55, 65. So it feels like I have time to, to make the changes. So first, I, I accepted that the business model was broken, that my business model depended on my being able to be on the phone and travel and be on video and things like that. It, it wasn't completely broken, but it relied on my being able to sit there and do those things and all that. Uh, you know, second, then I thought, okay, well, what are the patterns going on here? You know, and I was thinking, what's the root cause? That, that was the idea of being there, you know, on the phone or in person in real time. So I was thinking, huh, what can I do to shift the business to make it less about my being there? And, and of course, there are a lot of different options. It could be hire additional team members to do billable work. It could be developing information products. Could be could be other things as well. Um, and, and I didn't try to figure this out on my own. I brainstormed with my team to work on figuring that out. These are the freelancers I had helping on admin, marketing, and, and other things. So here's what I've done so far. I hired my first employee to support me on project management, scheduling, and client billables. Her name is Diane. She's been amazing. She actually has been in the agency world longer than I've been alive. Uh, so has great experience. Um, and importantly, I also hired her to, to push back on my ideas. We'd met through volunteering, so I knew that she'd be good at that. You know, I think there's often a tendency to hire the, you know, the yes man or a yes person. That, that is not Diane. So if you have an opportunity to hire someone who's always agreeing with you, I don't know, that, that may be a missed opportunity. So there's that. I've expanded my information product business, including promoting my, my books, Made to Lead, the in-demand marketing agency, you know, working on some future ones. And I also expanded the inf information product, my agency resource library or uh, agency accelerator power pack, which is a series of templates, tools, standard operating procedures that I built for my coaching clients. So it's 50 plus different resources. And I realized, you know, that could be its product, you know, a product by itself. Um, so I've been building that out. You know, I still have, uh, oh, and I also set a long-term target, which is to go from 99% Carl billables to 90% not Carl billables. Now that 90% could be info products. It could be others doing billable work. You know, realistically, the timeline for that is probably 10 years from now. You know, it's not an overnight, overnight kind of thing. Uh, but I feel like I'm heading in the right direction and I have a plan to get there. And in spite of having the appendicitis, 2017 was the biggest year yet, revenue-wise and profitability. And then 2018, you know, is, has kept growing. Uh, so I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. You know, you had mentioned the uh, the health issue as as a really bad thing. I, it was it was bad at the time, but I'm really glad that it happened. Um, and actually, I remember thinking uh, with the the first time I was in the hospital. Basically, they like wheel you into the CAT scan and drain the, the abscess. They, uh, the surgical team called a timeout. 
so at that point, I, I, there, I was on morphine and fentanyl uh, before they were starting the procedure. And, and they called a timeout and they reviewed, okay, the patient is so-and-so, here's what we're doing. We're using this gauge needle. Here's what we're trying to accomplish, this and that. And in spite of the morphine and the fentanyl, I thought to myself, oh, the idea of doing a timeout before a really critical thing to make sure everyone's on the same page, this is going to make a great blog post. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, some of that stuff was, was uh, from... Uh, What's that book? Checklist Manifesto, right? Exactly. Like, like, yeah. You know, world, the whole timeout thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's definitely before making a big decision or doing something big. I think that would be probably a good thing, especially if you're kind of a visionary quick start who, mm-hmm. you know, sees that. I'm speaking from personal experience, right? See a new big idea and you're like, oh, yeah. that'd be awesome, right? Yeah. Go back, sell the team on it, and they're all excited about it. And you forgot about what you were focused on last <laughs> month, last quarter, right? I- you know, I, it's interesting in my work, I'm ultimately, you know, if we think about the visionary versus integrator model, right? Yep. You know, I, I am often the integrator to support my clients, but then I'm the visionary within my own business, which I, I think is something that a lot of agency owners have where they're having to wear a couple different hats, depending on what their client needs, depending on what their own business needs, you know, it's worth keeping in mind. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners? Are you currently an SEO agency or an agency that offers SEO services to your clients? I have some exciting news for you today. There's a platform called SEO Monitor that is built specifically to help digital agencies provide more effective SEO campaigns for their clients, ultimately helping you guys make more money and be more profitable. SEO Monitor is the only SEO platform that is actively working for you as an agency. Their platform is laser focused on companies that are offering SEO services to their clients, providing deep insights on keywords, campaign level reporting, and also a topic explorer that's going to help you provide better keyword research for your clients. Their platform understands the dynamics of running multiple SEO campaigns and also managing multiple clients under one platform. One of my favorite tools within the SEO Monitor platform is their forecasting tool. This tool literally allows you to forecast the value of SEO services so that you can go back to your clients and help pitch them on higher value services, which is totally in alignment with everything that YouGurus teaches. SEO Monitor offers a world-class support team, so they're there when you need them, and they have top-level service-level agreements to make sure that your agency is always able to deliver to your clients. If you want to find out more about the SEO Monitor and YouGurus partnership, go to seomonitor forward slash DAS for Digital Agency Show. That's seomonitor.com forward slash DAS. On that page, there's more information about how SEO Monitor is going to help you level up your SEO game, deliver better results to your clients, and become more profitable. There's links out to their free Topics Explorer tool, which is pretty awesome, free for anybody to use, and I highly recommend it. They also have information about their Spark program, which is a $5,000 grant for SEO agencies or companies that are focused on SEO that have been in business for less than three years. So check that out at seomonitor.com forward slash DAS. All right, let's get back to our program. And you, uh, you mentioned you hired somebody to push back on ideas, which I think mm-hmm. is something that I just wanted to bring attention to because I think that's really uh, insightful to think about it in that perspective of 
not always just hiring people that we like or get along with even. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you need to have a cultural fit and get, you know, get along with them, but in terms of just their way of thinking, like it's okay to be working with people that think very different than us because a lot of times our clients and our customers aren't us. So having somebody else's perspective in that process can be super valuable. Like I'm really, really comfortable with large change very quickly. Mm -hmm. A lot of people around me are not super comfortable with that or not not, not a lot, but like, you know, a good deal of people are just not cool with that. Right. They're like fact finders. They need to have like all the process. They need to see a hundred percent of the line of sight. Right. Uh, so I think finding those people that are different than us is, is be really, really valuable. I recently got the team together to create a note among other things, a no list. This is all the things that I might possibly do, but now is not the right time, uh, either because it's not relevant to the next year or so for the business. It could be things that you know are a bit further out. Could be things where I just need to focus on other things instead. Uh, so ended up making a whole no list on the whiteboard, and uh, you know team members typing that up, and uh, I'll have that have that handy. So when I'm like. Oh, I was thinking of doing this or that. I'm like, wait, no, it's on the no list. Focus here instead. Nice. I like that. I, you know, I usually yeah. like use kind of a, an EOS style parking lot or issues list for that. But mm-hmm. I like the actual putting the word no on it. Um, yeah. Because it means it's not just, hey, this is an open idea or issue, but it's like, I'm actually saying no to this. This is the stuff I'm saying no to right now. Exactly. Very cool. Has that, I mean, besides the, uh, the timeout moment in mm-hmm. uh, surgery, uh, yep. Did you pull any other insights from repositioning your own business uh, for your the helping other agencies out? Like, have you been able to kind of pull some useful lessons or frameworks from doing that process yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, here's what I'd advise. Now, hopefully, you know, if, if you're listening, you're not going to have to go through, you know, a ruptured appendix and emergency surgery and and so on. Um, and that gets your attention. But hopefully, uh, you don't have to go through that. Uh, but here's some things to, to keep in mind, um, you know, in your role as an agency leader. First, make a list of everything you currently do and split that into three sublists: Things that need to happen, but that you don't need to do. These are things you can delegate out. Things that need to happen that you want or need to do, you can keep doing those. Uh, and then things that just don't need to happen, those are things you're going to stop doing altogether. So make that list of everything you're doing and split it up. Things that need to happen, but you don't want to do, delegate them out. Things that you do want to do or need to do or otherwise, they'll keep doing those. I, I think of those as, uh, describe them as $1,000 an hour activities. Things that only you can do as the owner that you should not delegate to someone you're paying you know, $20 an hour to do. Um, and then finally, some things you could just stop doing altogether, either temporarily like the no list or potentially permanently. Uh, so that, that's that's the first thing. Then, you know, when you're looking at that need-to-do list, the things you're planning to do, you want to ask yourself, is that really true? Just because you're the, the best person to do it doesn't mean you should. You know, in one example, I had an agency owner in my coaching work who said, you know, I've got this problem with my team. I've got a couple developers. They're taking four hours to do something that I can get done in 20 minutes. That's a huge difference, right? Four hours versus 20 minutes. But we dug into it, and it turned out they were recent graduates. They didn't have much training. He hadn't spent time training them. He hadn't told them that it wasn't supposed to take four hours. 
And also he'd been in the industry for almost a decade. So of course he could get it done faster. My advice to him was spend some time training them to help get them from four hours down to two. You know, maybe they can get it down to one, but even if it still takes them an hour and you can get it under 20 minutes, they should be doing this. This is a task they could do. It was not an agency owner thousand dollar an hour activity. He should spend that time doing something else, you know, partnership building, recruiting, setting and clarifying the vision, things that only he can do as the owner. That is a better use of his time. And then finally, third, you know, so you've got that list and you rationalize the list. Third, uh, make a plan to get things off your plate. Uh, depending on your team now, you may have people that you can delegate to. Of course, if you have 50 people, it's easier to delegate than if you have five. You know, if you don't have a full-time assistant or an ongoing assistant, you know, hiring a virtual assistant, a VA, can be helpful. Um, I hired a VA within the first year or two of starting the business, and that was amazing. Once you have someone you can ask to do things, it, it, it changes your work. Um, I, I don't know if you, you have experience with someone assisting you now. Um, what, what have you found delegation? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've definitely have leaned into having a team uh, for, for many years. Uh, so I'm definitely a big fan of, of not doing the things that uh, I don't need to be doing. So from everything from, you know, VA to program managers, mentors, you know, salespeople. Like I love to sell, uh, uh-huh. but I also realize I can't sell 40 hours a week. Right. So if we're going to hit the growth goals that we want, right, we have to have somebody that has that capacity, right? Even if I can sell twice as good as them, if I can only sell four hours a week, you know, that still won't compete with their 40 hours a week of sales time. So I think that, you know, anybody that you can have that can take some of that workload off of you, even for some of those things that you're saying, Carl, that we like to do or enjoy doing, if it's not something that's really, you know, our, our unique genius, then I definitely think you should, you should delegate and, and get somebody else to do that. And that doesn't mean turning, you know, your job into something you you hate. You know, you, you should be doing things you like. Um, I interviewed Jay Bear a few years back, and he mentioned that with Convince and Convert, he still sends, at the time at least, he still sends all of the invoices himself for the agency work because he really enjoys it. <laughs> That's something you could delegate. It's not technically $1,000 an hour activities, but I don't know. It's it's kind of fun to money coming in. Yeah, I mean, I find, you know, for me, like I enjoy selling, um, but there's higher leverage sales opportunities, like selling on a webinar, selling on a stage, you mm-hmm. know, those are harder to hire out for, not impossible, but definitely yep. you know, gets harder. So I think that, you know, or, you know, for me selling over like the written word, for example, like those are all, those are three areas where I can achieve a lot more scale than, you know, one-on-one appointments, right? So even though I love the exactly. one-on-one appointments, it's fun, you know, doing them for 40 hours a week is probably not my, that's actually not fun. Um, doing them for a couple of hours a week is fun. Um, so I think there's two, like, you know, some context there around like how much Mm -hmm. are we talking about this, right? If you're talking about, you know, you don't mind sending a couple of your, you know, or booking your own travel because it's like exciting because you're booking a trip, right? And it's part of the Mm -hmm. process and you get enjoyment out of the, you know, the actual booking part. Cause some people find that when they think VA, I think Carl is like, well, I don't travel very often or I don't have Mm -hmm. some, you know, I don't have those little things very often that I need done, but I think there's a lot yeah. more things that a VA can take take on for you. And it's one of those things, once you have someone to help, um, in my case, I actually have a travel agent who handles the, the booking, you know, sort of very much a specialist on that. Um, but you but, also speak regularly and are traveling a lot, right? I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not like a twice a year thing. It's like more. Exa- it's more like once or twice a month kind of, yeah. kind of thing. 
But, you know, once you have someone you can delegate to, the first time you delegate is really tough. Once you have someone, though, you know what they can do. You have a system for actually delegating things back and forth. You have an idea of what um, they can do. They have an idea of how they can best support you. That initial process of finding the person and getting started and working out the kinks in the process, that's tough. But then once you get there, it tends to be a lot easier. Mm, very cool. Well, we've covered a good deal of topics today. I think uh, listening to your story about uh, kind of that you know, uh, reckoning moment of realizing like the business that you have today isn't necessarily the business that you want and, and recasting that vision. I'm excited to hear uh, about your progress in five to 10 years. Hopefully it's less than 10 years for you yeah. to get to that 90% not Carl work. Uh, yeah. I think we, we, we could all, you know, hopefully you can get there uh, quickly on that journey. Are you ready for our lightning round? I am. All right. So uh, first question, what is the best advice you've ever received? Never take a job if they give you an offer after just one interview, because they are not being careful about hiring the right person. Ah, that's good. I like that. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Follow through. I, I, I will call people and they're, you know, say the phone calls at two o'clock and they're like, wow, you called right at two o'clock. And I'm thinking, well, of course the call is at two o'clock. <laughs> I, I want to respect your time. And then, you know, and then I'll send a, you know, a follow-up from the meeting, things like that. So it, it's, uh, it's not just doing whatever the interaction is. It's, you know, sending the recap, sending the list of actionables, you know, decisions. Uh, yeah. I would expect that from an ideal person with lots of project management and operational experience. Yep. You sound like the perfect integrator to me. So Carl, well, thank you. Once a director yeah. of operations, always a director of operations. <laughs> I, I am like, sometimes I, I definitely can do the uh, show up on time, but the, uh, uh, some of the follow through stuff is, is hard, right? I'm definitely more in that visionary camp, high level ideas, but, um, it's amazing that there are people like you, cause that just, you, you make it happen, you know, for, for most businesses out there, probably more important than the visionary, uh, nine times out of 10, right? We, we um, all need people to help. And, you know, I, I coach agency owners, but I have my own coach because I can't coach myself. You know, we, we don't have that kind of perspective on, on ourselves. Mm, yeah. I love that. Uh, can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you use that you think our listeners will find valuable? Yes. Uh, askamanager.org. Uh, all kinds of advice on managing people. Uh, also, they, you know, they have advice related to recruiting and, you know, my boss is doing this. What do I do? Uh, some, some fascinating stories, sometimes funny, sometimes you cringe, sometimes all of those. Uh, askamanager.org. Very nice. And what book would you recommend that's not your own and why? Big fan of the book, Turn the Ship Around. It's by a Navy submarine captain who took his sub from worst to first in his, in his group based on uh, a number of shifts. But one of the big things was uh, rather than focusing on technical knowledge, like do you know how to do everything? Instead, trust your team to get things done. And uh, he has this concept where he uh, instead of everyone asking the boss, you know, what do I do? Now it reframes the conversation by saying, I intend to X, Y, Z. Uh, so the subordinate will say, I intend to do this, this, and this. The boss can say either proceed or they can ask some clarifying questions and then proceed. It really shifts things. Uh, as the boss, you're not having to figure everything out for your subordinates. 
and they're empowered to to work out a lot on their own. Uh, it, it really can shift the organization. I, I use that uh, in the American Marketing Association AMA Triangle, and based on that approach, the you know I intend to kind of thing, um, we actually ended up ranking number two across all of North America out of seventy five different chapters. So, it, and that's in the context of volunteers where you know no one has to be there. So turn the ship around, David Marquette, check it out. Very nice. And we'll include a link out to uh, that book, the other resource you mentioned, askamanager.org, and uh, anything else that was mentioned in this show, along with key takeaways and uh, some quotables in summary uh, from this episode with Carl at yougurus.com slash podcast in our show notes section. So click on the episode with Carl and you'll see lots of goodies there, as well as links out to uh, Carl's website and all that good stuff. Carl, how can our audience find out more about you? And is there anything that you have they can check out? Yeah, uh, visit sakisandcompany.com. That's S-A-K-A-S-A-N-D, the word company.com, or on Twitter at Carl Sakis, K-A-R-L-S-A-K-A-S. I have hundreds of articles with free advice uh, and a newsletter with tips every week uh, that more than one person has said uh, when they read the articles, they're like, it's like you wrote that just for me. So if you're an agency owner struggling with growing pains as you're growing quickly, uh, visit sakisandcompany.com. I would love to help. Awesome. We will definitely uh, include some links out to that as well in our show notes. Carl, thank you so much for being with us on our program today. Brent, great to be here. And that is our episode for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. As I mentioned earlier, check out our show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You'll get links out to Carl's website and all those goodies, as well as lots of other takeaways and action items, yougurus.com slash podcast. That is our episode for this week. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you from the Digital Agency Show. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 